All right, everybody, welcome to BO Boys for Monday, June 26th. Fuck it, it's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And Clayton, let's start off the show by welcoming all of our new listeners after our blockbuster last episode. We had Kirk Minahan on the podcast, Jesus from Barstool. So welcome to all the Minifans. Welcome to all the Stoolies. Welcome to being brand new wanna be old boys, wanna be old girls, wanna be old people. People. Welcome. Uh and, and you picked a good weekend to start being a devoted follower of the BO Boys because wow, what a weekend at the box office. Jennifer Lawrence tested whether she is still a movie star, whether comedy is still viable. And elementals with a possibly a surprise comeback story that we get to talk about. The Stoolies love talking about it. Elemental. Well, you know what? There was a lot of elementals who came to the to the uh, movie theaters this week to see Elemental. So, why don't you get into give us a plow of our top five for the weekend of Friday, June twenty third. Number one again, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse returns to number one. Nineteen point three million dollars down only twenty nine percent. It is currently standing at $317 million in its fourth weekend. Number two, Elemental, made $18.4 million, down 38%. It is now at $65.5 million in its second frame. Number three, The Flash, made $15.2 million, down 72%. It actually added 22 theaters. I don't know if those where those theaters were. 87.6 million dollars in its second weekend is its total. Number 4, a newbie, no hard feelings, Jennifer Lawrence comedy made 15.1 million dollars in its first frame, and number 5, Transformers Rise of the Beasts made 11.6 million dollars, down 44%. It lost 157 theaters. It's at 122.9 million dollars in its third frame and i think we go to six here gotta because we've got a wide expansion of wes anderson's asteroid city which made nine million dollars that's an increase of 955 percent an addition of 1669 theaters and it's at 10.2 million dollars in two weekends and that first weekend being a limited release so fascinating top five, top six, top 10. There are so many things that we need to go into here. I mean, let's start, though, with the drop of The Flash. The second mm-hmm. weekend of The Flash dropped 72%. So it happened. This basically did the Morbius second weekend drop. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is... This is one of the not just biggest box office disasters of the year, not just one of the biggest box office disasters for the superhero genre. The Flash is officially one of the biggest box office disasters of all time. I mean, is is there any pushback on that? Is this one of the biggest box office disasters that we have ever seen? Yes. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. I mean... Because there's so many factors that added into it. When you think about something like Morbius, like Morbius was a delayed movie. It felt stale when it came out because it was delayed by COVID and all these things. And Jared Leto's not a star and it looked kind of cheesy and all these things. 
But the Flash had a pedigree of, you know, Batman 89. Mm -hmm. It was a big budget, huge budget, cornerstone DCEU movie Mm -hmm. that, I mean... It opened to 55. Like, that's insane. Yeah. E- even even Black Adam, which is a failure. Let's just get this straight. Which the I said flashes, for weeks and weeks on the show. Yes. For the new listeners, weeks and weeks when Black Adam came out, I was saying that that was a failure. I, I don't have time to deal with that bullshit right now right. because the, the, focus, the focus of this is that now people are trying to say Black Adam is a success to the point where even Anthony... D, D is for Dwayne The Rock Johnson, D'Alessandro, wrote in his Saturday PM column, Yeah, Anthony, we hope you're okay. We There's been no Sunday column, and it's Monday, so we do hope you're okay. Yeah, Once it's, mon- it's Monday morning, and as of now, we have not heard from Anthony D, D'Alessandro at deadline in two days, and it is, it is a little frightening. So Yeah, so, but with that, it is in print, it is in ink, that he's saying, well, I... Makes you wonder why there wasn't a Black Adam too. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing: the failure of one movie does not go back and change time mm-hmm. and make another movie a success. Black mm-hmm. Adam is a failure. Black Adam is a failure because it was superheroes plus rock and it still failed. Okay, that is fact, and nothing will change that. If anything, Black Adam is a reason why the Flash did worse. Because it was a crappy movie that this movie had to follow. Okay. Right. right. So so don't start changing history. We're going to talk about other changing history here with Elemental now. Uh, that is, is maybe going to happen that we have to nip in the bud. We have to cut a lot of shit this episode. And I don't like to go hardcore so early in the morning and, uh, uh, and so early in the episode. But I'm getting riled up. Okay. The Flash is a failure, but Black Adam is also a failure. Yeah. And and the, like you said, The Flash is partly a failure. I mean, listen, The Flash is a failure for many reasons, but one of them is that because of movies like Black Adam and Shazam 2 and Quantumania, even though that's Marvel, moviegoers are just fully distrusting of the superhero genre right now and tired of it. And so when The Flash comes out, people have that sense memory of like, well, black Adam really fucked me six months Mm -hmm. ago and I don't want to get fucked again by the flash. And so that, that is partly Dwayne, the rock Johnson's fault. I mean, the flash though, dropping 72% Morbius dropped 74%. So they are in the same realm of just historic drops and the flash, this taints so many and hurts, I would say, so many people and so many properties at this point. I mean, I think it puts DC films in such a low place that the way Black Adam being terrible affected the opening of The Flash, this absolutely will hurt Aquaman when mm-hmm. that opens in December. There is yeah. no way around it. And I know Aquaman, the first one, made a billion dollars. And I know people do have some fondness for that. And James Wan directed so on and so forth, but this will affect that because people right now, other than the the fanboys, they all out hate DC films coming off of this string of movies. And there is such bad will for DC films. 
and they absolutely need a break. And I'm thinking a eight to 10 year break. That's obviously not going to happen, but no. a six month break to December for Aquaman, that is nowhere near far enough out for people to go from the flash and then go see Aquaman. Aquaman, I mean, and we're not even counting Blue Beetle in, in August, which will be a, a total blip. Yeah, total failure. But that is how big of a bomb this Flash is, is that Aquaman is screwed. Yeah. He's screwed. It, and this is a second weekend of a wannabe blockbuster tentpole yes. movie, and they were doing buy one, get one free. Yes. They were selling there, tickets, buy one get one free in the second weekend of a $200 million budgeted movie. Yeah. A, yeah. a, a, a swing that Warner brother brothers took and was expecting, you know, Hey, this thing could make half a billion dollars. Now this is before all of the bullshit. I mean, they, they were thinking this thing could make probably 800 or something in the pre Ezra Miller issues and the pre all these superhero movies start to underperform. Like that's the thing. It's like, I mean, you know, we had Jeff Bach on here and Jeff Bach was going nuts about this movie and saying it was going to be huge. And we rode that hype and we're not blaming Jeff Bach. We're adults. No, we're adult men. We make our own decisions, but he came in over there. He came in over hype. Yeah. The hype was there. He was coming in straight from CinemaCon, which in retrospect, I'll tell you what, I don't think anyone should go to CinemaCon next year, or at least no one should come from CinemaCon and then make predictions for at least two months because the the hype that you get coming out of CinemaCon must be overwhelming. It must be just too much. And and Jeff Bach goes there. And again, great man, great box office analyst, exhibit relations co legendary Twitter account, but who knows what they're shooting you with. You know, I'm not saying he was drugged, but he may have been drugged and they may be shooting some hype into the food, the finger foods that they serve you with CinemaCon. Something's going on there. When you come out, that hype for The Flash that you're predicting is the biggest movie this summer, that is a situation where I do think there's there's illicit drugging going on of the people who attend CinemaCon. Well, when you go to Vegas and you go to the casinos... You know, they pump in pure oxygen. Right. Okay. Right. And you're all aware and you feel great and all that. You'll drink and you'll bet and you'll gamble and do all those things. There's something similar that they do at Comic-Con. I mean, CinemaCon. I don't know if it's pure oxygen. I don't know if it's pure hype. I don't know what they're pumping into those rooms. Yeah, they're pumping pure hype into the vents. They're pumping pure hype into the vents. And then you come out thinking that the Flash is going to open to over 100 million. And you need to, after you go there, you need to not tweet for yeah. at least two months. Yeah. Or yeah. don't go. Or don't go. Or don't go. Because it's tough to not tweet for two months if you're Jeff Bach of Exhibit Relations Co. or other people in the industry. You know, mm-hmm. t- tweets are tweets are, are money in some cases. But you mentioned somehow this weekend, in its second weekend, Warner Brothers was doing two furs, two for one ticket deals for the flash and that is mind-boggling this is a mm-hmm. movie that has michael keaton as batman batman 89 is in this movie when batman 89 came out there were no two-for-one tickets it was the opposite people were scalping tickets mm-hmm. to go see batman 89 i grew up 
on the hard scrabble streets of Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And I remember people scalping tickets outside of the Marlboro Theater in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, because that is how hard the tickets for Batman 89 were to come by. Scalpers were out there marking up the prices on these tickets and people had to pay him or you beat the scalper up and you took his tickets because yeah, yeah. his fault for just waving Batman 89 tickets around in the neighborhood. Yeah. But there were no two for ones. The flash having to do two for ones in its second weekend is a disaster is a disaster. And it's still over the weekend. It looked like this drop was going to be bigger and that no hard feelings was going to beat it. And guess what? We're doing this early on Monday. Yeah. And the there will be final change. Monday numbers. And 5.1 versus 5.2. 15.1 versus 15.2. I'm sorry. Sorry. 15.1 versus 15.2. I mean, no hard feelings could overtake this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do we want to talk no hard feelings? Is there anything else we need to say about this flash situation it's it's an all-time bomb it's i mean people are gonna have to lose their their heads over it possibly you know usually you say they lose their jobs i mean this is such a bomb maybe someone does have to lose their head over it i mean david zaslov the head of warners is going to survive this because he's the person at the top um but this should be a blight on his legacy forever obviously People hate him for a lot of reasons. He's anti-writer. He's closed in Turner Classic Movies. But being the person who said that The Flash is one of the great superhero movies ever, putting this out in theaters, this is a blight on his legacy for sure. Yeah. And, and I mean, listen, we mentioned it last week with Kirk Minahan that somehow Warner Brothers roped Tom Cruise into calling The Flash one of the greatest movies he's ever seen or movie that theaters need right now, whatever it was that Tom Cruise was saying, he was going over hype and he's going to have to live with that on his legacy that yeah. he overhype the flash. And it could be the worst thing he's ever said or done. Yes, 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 yes. And I, and I like Tom Cruise, but I do think this is the worst thing he's ever said or done. Yeah, saying that the Flash is is one of the all time greats. I don't know if he's able to. Um, I don't know if he. I don't know if he's able to live that down. I don't yeah. know if he's able to live that down. And and we just hope it does not affect the opening of Dead Reckoning, Part One, because when he's yeah. out there in the circuit hyping that movie, there's going to be that little voice in the back of people's heads that said, "This is the guy who said that the Flash was great. This is the yeah. guy who said that the Flash was." the best superhero movie of all time, you know, and it's going to be like, are you going to be listening to him talk about how he did the motorcycle stunt 80 times and how he, you know, uh, does all his own stunts and, and how this is what you're not going to be able to, to hear those words because you're just going to remember Tom Cruise said the flash was great. And how do I trust this man ever again? And at this point you can't publicly apologize because then it just brings the memory back. You just right. got to think people are going to forget. Right. Right. But right. the thing with the flash that I you know, the last word on this and it's not going to be the last word cuz this thing is going to continue to plummet. But again, I just want to make sure everybody knows if you're reading these articles that are saying that Black Adam is a success now, I want you to know that sinking ships do not raise boats. Mm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Does not mean 
So the Flash is a all-timer, an all-timer when it comes to bombs. I mean, Green Lantern was a bomb and it only dropped sixty-six percent. All right, this thing right. dropped seventy-two percent. So, do not think that the failure of Flash is a success for other movies. And I think before we go into no hard feelings, we got to mention Elemental here. All right, well, let's get because, into it. Sure, yeah, let's do it because that is I feel is like another. you're gonna cut. I feel like you're gonna try and cut the shit here, and I might put that shit right back together. So oh, you if you let's even see. try to say this thing is All right, a well, success, let's, let's lay it out. So Elemental. In its second weekend, made $18.4 million, and it only dropped 38%. Fantastic hold for Stop Pixar's it. Elemental. And you know what? The death rattle for Pixar may have been sounded a little too early. Because okay. this is a fantastic hold, and it shows that. You know what? We've said it on this show. For, the, for all of our new listeners, one of the great mottos of this show is that the rats need their cheese, which means that the kids need their kids' movies. And it's a it's a rule that we we sometimes forget. And I think it played out this second weekend. The rats in need of their cheese and Elemental was the cheese. And the rats did come out because Pat. this is a great second weekend hold. So I see Clayton is clenching his fist, clenching his jaw, his nose is clenched, his forehead is clenched, his butt. I don't see it luckily on this on this stream yard call, but I'm sure it's his clenched. butt is clenched. It's clenched. Clayton is clenched. Clayton, do you want to unclench and give me your thoughts on this fantastic second weekend hold for El- Pixar's Elemental? Here's what I'm going to say mm-hmm. up front. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be known as the, I hate Pixar guy. I don't want to be known as the guy who's always saying Pixar is dead. Pixar is dead. Okay? Well, that is it, how puck in the it, town's Matt Bellany doesn't know you when he was on the yes. show. You said that Pixar is creatively bankrupt and he pushed back big time on your own show. So that is how he knows you. Okay. Creatively bankrupt is a different conversation than the one we're having right now. Okay. Right. But here's the thing. I take no pleasure in this. And believe me, I take no pleasure in saying movies are bombs or talking about bomb movies. I'm not gleeful about the flash failing. I'm not gleeful about Elemental being a disaster. Okay. That does not give me joy. Or or a long-term success story. We're going to find out. But what I will say here is 38% drop from 29 is still terrible. The way this movie is a success is if it would have dropped 7%. No, that's that's setting a bar that something that's impossible. Then you're talking about my big fat Greek wedding level. People wanted You're to talking see this my movie. Big fat Greek wedding. You're talking my big fat Greek wedding. That's what I'm saying. If this movie is going to be deemed a success, it would have to drop in the single digits coming up and that increase just in the next that, weekend. That dude, that just movie, can't happen for a movie that's open in four thousand theaters. That just can't happen. Well, this guess what? Then it's a drop. Is, then it's a fantastic. failure. It's a it's, failure. It's a fantastic hold. It it look. Can I just throw some numbers at 38 you? Thirty eight isn't a fantastic hold. Can I throw some numbers at you? Can I throw some numbers? You're gonna throw some numbers. Some recent Pixar bombs, which we all agree are bombs. Second weekend drop of the Good Dinosaur, sixty one percent in twenty fifteen. That is a horrible drop. A movie that people didn't want to see, sixty one percent drop. Lightyear, a year ago this time. Open to 50 million. Its second weekend drop 
was 64%. That is a bomb. That is a movie people didn't want to see. Onward, it opened to 50. Onward, it didn't open to 29. On, onward. Onward. A movie that only opened to 39 million. Uh, and that movie, its second weekend drop, Clayton. This is a bomb. This is a movie people didn't want to see. Onward, second weekend drop was 73%. That is a movie. That well, what was the see. weekend that 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 dropped? It okay. was a COVID weekend. It was March 13th, 2020. So sure. There were other yeah, factors dude. at play. Other factors at play, possibly. I mean, listen, I forget the specifics of what was happening March 13th, 2020, but 73% yeah. drop. Do you want to give other factors credit for onward dropping? Do you want to give onward an excuse? Because I'm fine with just saying... No, on March the, 13, 2020, Onward dropped because people just didn't want to see it. And there were no other external factors. Well, Onward, the thing is, here's what the story on Onward is, is that, yeah, that drop wouldn't have been this in the 70s, but that drop would have been in, in the 50s or the 60s. Onward was not a movie people wanted to see. Exactly. So we talk about the history, but what I'm saying. But yeah. Elemental only dropped 38%. It's not a movie I, that audiences are hoping, rejecting. It's not a movie that audience, and maybe it took. This, this, the word of mouth to catch up for a week. Maybe the rats needed to congregate at the summer camps. And then the rats started, they started making rat sounds. And they were like, you know what? Elemental might be not that bad cheese. Pat, okay. Yeah. Here are the facts on this. All okay. right. A 38%, I just gave you numbers, but sure. A 38% drop on a movie that opened the lowest ever for a Pixar movie. And we're saying it, even though Toy Story opened a little bit lower, that it was 1995. And if we, we don't do inflation, huh. but yeah. come on, huh? Yeah. We gotta, we gotta do inflation for that. Okay. This is the lowest opening Pixar movie ever. Sure. Sure. Opened at 29. Okay. And then it drops almost 40%. 38%. That is, that is still terrible. And yes, the rats need their cheese. But are the rats going to this movie thinking this is premium cheese? No, is this of course. No, this it's is not Super Mario. Craft. They know that. The rats know Hold it's on. not Super Mario. This is craft singles. Mm -hmm. This is this is moldy craft singles. And these kids are dragging their rat tails, their asses to this movie and being like, okay. Water guy, flame girl, I guess. Right. I guess. And this movie is now being touted. I mean, you saw in, not to hit him again, Anthony D for Disney, D'Alessandro, was yep. dro writing about all these drops and, and, for like and we Finding pray, Dory. We pray that you're and, okay, Anthony. We pray you're okay. We pray we that you're from okay. You from Saturday, yeah. We pray that you're okay. Yeah. But he's showing all these drops for these huge Pixar movies that opened over a hundred. Okay. Or in the eighties or in the nineties and comping them to this drop. This is ridiculous. But okay? I gave you drops for Pixar bombs, you know, like okay, I gave you drops still, for movies that were dropping from, from comparable opening weekends. You know, this is a 38% drop means that people possibly don't hate this movie. Let me give you a fact. Okay. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, a movie sure. that's been out for four weeks, still beat Elemental. If sure. Elemental was as strong or people liked it as much as you said they do, then it would have been number one. It would have been a clear number one. I'm saying This movie was beat by a movie that's been out for four 
weeks. Sure, but but Spider-Man into the across the Spider-Verse is possibly going to be the biggest movie of the summer. So, you know, it's like comparing uh, some secondary movie that came out in 89 to Batman 89 when scalpers were scalping tickets. This is Spider-Man is the movie of the summer barring Dead Reckoning coming out in a few weeks. So, of course, Elemental's buy. at that level. It's not at that level, but but all I'm saying is do movies not have a chance to redeem themselves? Do movies no. not have a chance to go on a run? And maybe, maybe that is going to happen with Elemental. Maybe not, but it needed to have this second weekend to give itself that chance for redemption. And as BO boys, I don't think we should just because we have a grudge against a certain animation studio doesn't mean that we should just give it no chance to go on a redemption run. You see, you're misinterpreting passion for honesty with personal animosity. That is not what is happening here. What is happening here is I am seeing facts one way and other people are skewing them another way. Here's what I will give you. Okay. This conversation is not over. I will tell no, you. Elements and is I will going say, on a redemption run. Is that is definitely possible. But do I believe this is definitive fact and definitive proof that this movie is not a failure? No. Okay. Listen, this like you said, this could go on a run where it starts dropping only in the like 15% or yep. 6% or 9% because there's nothing else for the rats. The rats need their cheese and there's nothing else for the rats right now other than Spider-Man, which they've seen. And that's for a little bit older kids. Elements or, you know, is, I mean, ostensibly it's supposed to be for little kids, but it's a Pixar movie. So it's for middle-aged men. Okay. Right. But the, the narrative here that this thing is not, at this moment, a financial disaster. Because I know you don't like to talk about budget, but this thing costs two hundred million dollars. Oh, the Pixar movies can't cost this much going forward. Okay, they're, they're so not at that level. This will still be a financial failure, and it's not a it's not a success in the sense the way that artistically Ratatouille was, or uh, with the little oh, robot. And, yeah, like, the little yeah, robot whatever. guy, Wally, 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 Wally. Yeah, we speak your name, Wally. Yeah. This is still a bad place for Pixar to be. And the fact that this little glimmer of hope is making people think that, oh, my God, maybe it's not a complete and total travesty is sad to me because it's just middle-aged men still clinging on to the fact that Pixar is relevant and it's not. There is a very good chance that this solid hold, you know, is not the result of the rats in the schoolyard saying that Elemental is better than we had heard. It is just a matter of Pixar now caters to a much older audience, and the older audiences don't always go to things opening weekend. Yeah. And and that could be the case where this elderly, decrepit audience that loves Pixar movies do need a few weeks before they finally get around. They don't want to go opening weekend to deal with the crowd because they've got their, you know, walkers and their rascals that they need to have an extra seat for. And they don't so want a long want... bathroom line because their prostates right. are all fakata. Right. right. So these elderly Pixar fans, they maybe are going to come out more second weekend, third weekend, fourth weekend. 
And that is just, I think then, then that's how Pixar needs to budget and plan for their movies that their elderly crowd won't come out on opening weekend, but Hey, much like something like book club, Pixar movies could have a long run, not book club too, but the original book club had a nice leggy run and that's the Pixar audience now. Yeah. I, I mean, this is an ongoing conversation, obviously. So we will see. I mean, listen, we will see. I am willing to give it up to elemental. If it makes some sort of historic run, right? But if this thing doesn't drop in the teens next weekend, then it doesn't matter. Right. Well, listen, it's gonna, you know, on one hand, you would say next weekend Elemental doesn't have much competition because there's no kids movie coming out, but it actually might have direct competition because the Indiana Jones 5 movie is coming out next weekend, and that may overlap with the same 70-year-old-plus audience that Pixar mm-hmm. caters to now. Yeah. So it may have direct competition. We may see a huge drop for Elemental because all of their older audience want to go see Indiana Jones. So now we will see. We do we do want to get into no hard feelings, but I think quickly we, we, we do have, have to. to give props to Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse because this beating elemental is positive in the sense that uh, you know, uh, I, at least for me personally, and I know, you know, this is going against what I just said, but if Elemental would have gone to number one, it doesn't deserve to be number one. Well, so the fact that it's personal bias, yeah. But it does not deserve to be number one. And the fact that it's not number one, the fact that it's number two makes the world right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this Spider Mind cartoon is, it's a phenomenon. 317. Uh, and man, I mean, it's not doing as well internationally, but we're just talking domestic. Domestic, this thing is just going on such a run. 29% mm-hmm. drop, $19 million. Number one again in its fourth weekend. I mean, people love this movie. And you know what? It got some PLFs back. It was in a lot of Dolby's because mm-hmm. the Flash has been kind of, you know, not kind of, the Flash has bombed. So nobody's nobody's putting this once this thing in in plf so elemental got a few spider-man got some so this thing is still going yeah it's the movie it is the movie of the summer at this Mm -hmm. point and dead reckoning is the one that has a chance to overthrow it but again tom cruise's credibility might be shot after Mm -hmm. him praising the flash i mean this is to me, way worse than jumping on the couch and, uh, uh, you know, whatever it was he did. You're glib, you're glib, you're glib. You're glib. When he called Matt Lauer glib, which now would be, you'd be held that age. That's one of the best things he's ever said. Right, right. Calling Matt Lauer glib today gets you a a Nobel Peace Prize. But he said it back in 2010 and people did not like it then. But him saying The Flash is a great movie could cost Dead Reckoning the Summer Crown. So it could mm-hmm. be Spider-Verse because of that. So we will see. So do we want to get into, you know, the opening weekend of No Hard Feelings? If you listened to our blockbuster last episode we did with Kirk Minahan, biggest B.O. Boys episode of all time, we did spend a lot of time talking about what No Hard Feelings would do, the big new opener at the box office this weekend, and, you know, the the – the low range was, is this moving it open to nine or 10? You know, I was pulling for maybe it gets 70, 17, 18, and it got to 
15 million dollars open number four neck and neck with the flash maybe it overtakes the flash when the final numbers come in but clayton where do you see this opening weekend of 15 million for j-law for no hard feelings for the big studio comedy is this a is this a sigh of relief is this a victory is this a disaster what is this 15.1 million dollar opener it's so because i said 13 and Mm -hmm. obviously this went over a little bit yeah i think it's where i think it's in that weird schrodinger's cat situation where is it a hit or not a hit and we don't know yet i think right again we have to look at what it does next weekend to really know how it is performing i think 15 is good and i think 15 is pushing me over the edge to positivity on this yes. because it did overperform the low expectation i mean there was tracking where this could come in at seven there was yes. tracking where this could come in under the machine okay yes. for a Chrysler's machine yes because there was a lot of question marks is jennifer lawrence still a star will she bring out the fans will she bring out the young people will this premise turn the young people off right do people want hard r comedies none of these have been definitively answered by this movie but it's more positive than it could have been oh and for sure we went to see this movie on friday night was yeah, it so so after we had taped the kirkmanahan preview episode yes yeah, so that was on well, – we recorded that yeah. earlier in the week, and then we yeah. went and saw this movie. And the crowd was very young yep. and very female, and it was date movie, and young women were bringing other young women. So yes. this, is, this is proving that Jennifer Lawrence has young female fans, which is incredibly important for a star like her moving forward. Yes, because we yes. know she has the guy, the guy fans who you know love her acting. Yeah, she's attractive. We were just being honest. Yes, slobber is, over her a, acting. Yes, yeah, and but the young women coming to this movie and liking this premise and laughing along to this premise bodes well for this film. Okay, yes, yes. and it's skewed female, fifty-one percent female. Okay. Um, and 64% between 18 to 34. That is the sweet spot. That is what you want. Okay? Yes, yes, yes. You do not want this to be just an old audience that, you know, heard her on the Bill Simmons rewatchable with a bad microphone. You want this mm-hmm. to be a young audience that saw her on Hot Ones and loves her from the Hunger Games series. And that's what And happened. wanted to give her a hug because that bad man made her cry. Yes, yes, yes. How dare you? Sean from Hot Ones make Jennifer Lawrence cry with those hot wings. Worst thing he's ever done publicly. I don't know what his private life is like. Yeah. But this is, you know, an Anthony D, Alessandro. Listen, we use him every weekend. We talk about him every weekend. He says, don't bet against Sony. They know how to make these female skewing movies big. Little Women, Where the Crawdads Sing. Mm-hmm. This $15 million start is positive. We really like the movie. We were laughing. There, It's heartfelt. The young man who is a nobody. We know he's a nobody. He's a nobody, but, this, but maybe someday he'll be somebody. He's not now. He's but. a nobody that could be a somebody because he was excellent in this movie. If you don't like movies with dorky performances, you know what? He does a great job of balancing that. I'm not a fan of these movies with these dorks in them, but right. 
I think he does an excellent job. And, uh, you know, he's a guy to watch. Yes. So yes. what are, what are your feelings coming out of this weekend with no hard feelings? I mean, I, I think that this is not best case scenario, but it's pretty close in terms of where the expectations had gotten. Listen, again, this is one of those movies where a year ago when we saw this place on the calendar, Jennifer Lawrence and a hard R comedy, we're like, maybe this gets to 25 million opening weekend. As of course, as we got closer to the opening, the tracking was soft. And this could have been a rough night situation. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to talk about ScarJo in a bit. Um, so for the the Stoolies and the Minifans out there, we'll be talking Babes of the Week. But mm-hmm. we'll be talking ScarJo with Asteroid City. But in 2017, ScarJo led the cast of a hard R summer comedy, Rough Night. And that opened to $8 million. You know, so yeah. even back then, way pre-COVID, we were seeing a world in which a big studio, hard R comedy with a star like ScarJo could open as low as 8 million. And that could have happened to no hard feelings. That absolutely could have happened. And it didn't. It opened to almost double that 15 million. So it's in a situation, it's in a spot where it still has a chance to succeed. Now the multiplier has to be very good. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think the, the, the place you want to see, no hard feelings end up at the end of the summer is having cleared 55 or $60 million, which would mean it's going to have to have almost a four times multiplier, you know, four times multiplier to get to 60 million. And I do think now having seen the movie, that's possible because we liked it and we're not critics, huh? Huh? But, But we go out there and we get our boots on the ground and we, put our finger to the wind and we listen to what the people are saying. And the people were laughing in this theater. And that is, if this movie uh, was not funny, it would have no chance at legs, but it was a movie that played, you know, and listen, we saw it on the coast. We didn't travel to the middle of the country and watch it with the stacks dwellers and the plain billies and the earth dog. We watch it with coastal elites. But I think this is a movie where, the coastal elites laughing at it is a good sign because there was a good chance that the coastal elites would turn on this premise, would yeah. turn on the idea of a sex comedy, and that didn't happen. So yeah. I do think that the Earth Dogs will lap this up. The Plain Billies yeah. will lap this up. And when I say lap this up, you know, obviously that's something a dog does, so it would sound um, insulting, but I'm not meaning that to be insulting. No. You know, the, the Earth Dogs and the Plain Billies – Lapping it up, I, I see that as it's a a, a a nice thing to say about them. Rich people lap up caviar. Exactly, exactly. And I do think that the middle of the country will lap up this sex comedy. I thought it played really well. So fifteen point one million. I mean, let's. I, I brought up some comparisons of recent comedies that I think I would say were success were successes. So blockers in twenty eighteen. That got so not recent. <laughs> it's well, sad that how unrecent that is. I mean, I do think, you know, because of the COVID break, obviously there's some years that almost don't exist in the box office. So yeah. I think you could go back to 2018 to to find comedy comparables. And Blockers opened in April 2018. That opened to 20.5 million and yeah. got to 60. So that is a much higher open, not much higher, but a higher opening weekend. Game night. 
that opened in February 2018 to a, I would say, a similar opening weekend, open to 17. That movie got to 68 million domestic. So that was a beloved hit movie. Well, it famously had legs. That's a famously leggy movie. Yeah. Um, and of course, listen, I mean, we, we, I just wanted to bring it up because we talked about it so much last week with Kirk Minahan, July 17, 1998. There's something about Mary opens to 13.7. That movie closed in March of the following year at 176 million domestic. That's obviously not going to happen this time. Something about Mary is one of the most historic box office runs of all time. But just wanted to say its numbers out there. So there is a world in which I think this is a liked movie and there's not a direct competitor coming out right away. I mean, obviously, there's the Joyride comedy coming out in July. There's Strays, which I think we got to talk about for a second. That comes out in August and that's going to be possibly a monster as predicted by Kirk Minahan last week. But No Hard Feelings is going to have a chance to play through the summer. And I think it has a shot at getting to 55 or 60, which you would have hoped this was a $100 million hit, obviously. And that would show that it's time to just mass produce these big studio comedies. That's not the situation. But it could get to 60 off of this opening weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think the important thing with this film is that it's funny. Yes. It is heartfelt. Yeah, which is an element that gets discounted when people talk about those Farrelly brother hits. Mm-hmm. You know, they were gross out. They were funny. They were, you know, you know, body. piss your pants body. Right. Yeah, they were body. But we'll say there it. was there was heart to them. OK, yes. Yes. And that's what was missing in a movie like Rough Night. OK, yes. Rough Night yes. had no heart. It's soulless. It's empty. Yeah, right. yeah. Where it's do we cynical. dump this body? Where do we dump? People don't want a where do we dump this body comedy. Very they bad don't things. want a very bad Look, things. They don't want a very bad things. A very bad no. thing situation. Okay. No. And and no hard feelings is not that. It's not about Jennifer Lawrence having sex with this teenager to death and then having to dump the body. That movie does not do that well. That doesn't open to fifteen point one million dollars. Her and, sex and is this... a kid to death and then having to bury him. Yeah, yeah. We and had a conversation. A it, we had a conversation about this that, you know, and it's proven in these in these numbers. Women like Jennifer Lawrence, they yeah. respond to her positively. And I don't know if they do that with ScarJo or uh, Anne Hathaway or people like that. I think Jennifer Lawrence is one of those rare actors that women can look at and be like, yeah, you're cool. You're cool. I want to play video games with you. And I normally don't want to play video games, but I want to play rock band with you, J-Law. Yeah, yeah. And you're super pretty, but you're also really cool. And I buy you as somebody who needs a car desperately. Where if you tried to put Anne Hathaway in this, and no shade on her, no, or ScarJo, no one's believing ScarJo can't buy a car. Right. No one's believing Anne Hathaway can't buy a car. Right. But I'm believing Jennifer Lawrence can't buy a car. Yes, yes. And that's it's the true. difference. It's and true. I think women women responded so positively to this movie. They were awing in the parts that you're supposed to awe, and they were yeah. laughing in the parts where you're supposed to laugh. And so I do think that that bodes well for this film. Here's something I want to ask you, because when we had Kirk Minahan on last week, the thing that we, one of the things we talked about for this movie was, would it have 
this talked about set piece that would drive business, not just in the opening weekend, but throughout the summer, throughout the run. I mean, famously something about Mary, it has the hair gel scene, which mm-hmm. if you remember the commercials for that, they play it perfectly where they don't show you exactly how her hair got that way, but they tease you. You're going to want to find out how her hair gets yeah. this way. And they do the shot of Ben Stiller seeing her hair and then sort of coughing and, and almost swallowing something. They, they, they really tease. You got to see this hair gel scene. You got to see this dog biting everyone scene. Well, the you Franks, gotta and, see beans. Franks and beans, you got to see yeah. Franks and beans. And we asked, would no hard feelings have a similar set piece. And now we've seen this film and obviously we're not going to spoil anything, but I do think that there is a set piece in this movie. There's a few, but I'm thinking of one in particular that's going to get people talking. It's going to get guys talking. You know, if I could spoil this right now, the stoolies out there, they would love this set piece. That's all I'll say. And I think the stoolies who saw this movie, they're going to be, going around the OTB or wherever the Stoolies hang out in real life, and they're going to be talking about this set piece. So I do think No Hard Feelings has the talked-about set piece that can drive business in the weeks to come. Do you, do you agree on that? It's so hard to And I'm talking compare. about the beach, and that's all I'll say. Yeah, yeah, but it's so hard to compare anything to something about Barry, which is no. like the crown jewel of, you know, it's yeah. the... You know, it's the Citizen Kane of of hard R gross out films. Yes, yes. And I wouldn't necessarily even call this a gross out film because there's not much super gross in it, to be no, honest with you. No, and the set piece but, is not gross. We'll no. I'll say that it is. Not gross. I, I mean, I think it will be memorable. talked about. Is it an all time comic set piece? No, I, and not in my opinion. But I'm not a critic, huh? Huh? Uh, I do think that could be a talking point. It's just so hard. I mean, it's just so hard to compare anything to those high no. watermarks of comedy. But but any comedy, you want to have that thing. You know, it's like special effects used to be in these superhero movies. People are like you gotta you gotta see when the You'll Iron Man, man goes fly. to space. Right. You'll believe right. a man can fly. Right. Superman. Superman famously became one of the biggest movies of the year because. Hey, we're we're not using strings to make this guy fly across the screen. And that's all mm-hmm. it took back in 78 or whenever that came out. But I do think No Hard Feelings has a few moments like that that people are gonna say, you know what? Buy the ticket, see it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I I I I think it's got a shot at a leggy run. It's not gonna be something about Mary, but could it be blockers? I think it could be blockers. And I mean, be good if enough. it's blockers, yeah, this proves Jennifer Florence is an all timer. Yeah. Because she's taken a moribund mm-hmm. like genre and right. reinvigorating it. I don't want to get ahead of myself, obviously, like the way people are getting ahead of themselves with Elemental. Right. I don't want to get or ahead of myself. Holds. Sure. But it's because Flash bombed. Um, I think that there's a possibility here and that would just cement her as somebody who is like undeniably a star. She already yeah. kind of is, but will oh, she, she be able to shine as bright as she did previous? That's the thing. Will she be able to add on to her already illustrious box office career and start having hits in a genre that it's hard to have hits in? 
I mean, listen, I think this movie opening to 15 million this weekend solidifies her as a star because there's no other reason to see no hard feelings other than the star of the movie is Jennifer Lawrence. There is no mm-hmm. IP. There's no special effects. There is it's well-trod territory. Well-trod territory. This is not a crazy premise. It's not a premise based on a scandal, based on a New Yorker article. There's no IP in, in at all in this. It's not like this is the real story. Of, this is just... Do well, you it want is to based Jennifer- on an actual ad. It's based on an actual ad. But not a famous one, not a New Yorker article. But anyway, this is not based on anything other than do I want to see Jennifer Lawrence in a movie at the movie theater. And for mm-hmm. that to get you $15 million right now, that is star power. That is star power. So and I, only a $45 I think, million dollar budget. Cause Sony knows how to go low on budgets. I know yes. that's high for comedy, but whatever, 45 million is a drop in the bucket now for yeah. budget budget wise. And you got a star, so you're not going to yeah. get her cheap. That's for yeah. sure. Now we we said her name in relation to Jennifer Lawrence and 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 how rough a night bombed, but I think we got to talk Scarlett Johansson right now because is she the, the star six- of Asteroid City? You're acting as if she's the star of Asteroid City. The star well, of Asteroid do- City is Wes Anderson. He is the uh, star. Well, may I speak? May I finish? May I finish? I don't know. Can you? May I finish? So All right. Scarlett Johansson. I think does get some credit for, I mean, let, let's say up the top asteroid city did fantastic in this expansion. It is the biggest weekend that Wes Anderson has ever had any weekend of any of his movies. So obviously this didn't do end game numbers, huh? But for huh? Wes Anderson this far in his career to have the biggest weekend he's ever had, that is a sign of success. So people like asteroid city, this movie is set up for success. And I do think, you know, obviously this is a Wes Anderson movie, so there's a scroll of 30 names deep. They should have had Logan Paul. They should have had, as Kirk suggested, Mr. Beast snuck in there, but they didn't. But it's got a lot of names, and I do think Scarlett Johansson, there's there's two actors who I give credit for this good number. I give credit to Scarlett Johansson, and I give credit to Tom Hanks as to why Asteroid City overperformed. Clayton, Clayton, if this was a Wes Anderson movie where instead of Tom Hanks, it's Bill Murray, I do think this doesn't get as much pre-release buzz and goodwill and as high of a number. I think Tom Hanks absolutely helps this movie open to $9 million in the Does Tom Hanks help because he's not Bill Murray? Is that what you're saying? Or does Tom Hanks help because it's Tom Hanks? Oh, I mean, I think Tom Hanks helps because he's Tom Hanks and because Tom Hanks is a bigger star than Bill Murray. And normally that would have been the Bill Murray part is what I'm saying. I'm not yes. trying to throw shade on Bill Murray. Um, I am trying to say that normally Bill Murray would be playing that part. And instead they went Tom Hanks for whatever reason. They got Tom Hanks. And I do think that helps. I do think Tom Hanks is for all of the online buzz that Bill Murray gets and people love getting their pictures with him when they're in the supermarket or wherever he shows up at a racetrack. I think Tom Hanks is obviously a much bigger star than Bill Murray and Tom Hanks is still a draw. We saw that with Elvis. We saw that with that man called Otto this past winter. Tom Hanks still gets people in the movie theater. And I think Tom Hanks helped elevate this Wes Anderson movie 
above a normal Wes Anderson movie. And I think Scarlett Johansson did too, because this is where people like to see Scarlett Johansson. I think she well, looked fantastic in the trailers. And I do think her in this type of movie, she, the art house loves her. And I think the, the people across the country love her. She's black widow. She's famous. She's been famous forever. And she's Scarlett Johansson. I think those two actors did help this movie have Wes Anderson's biggest weekend of his career. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think the bigger the stars in these movies, the better, just in general. Mm. And I do think this looks like the most Wes Anderson movie that has come out in a very long time because mm. it has all the tropes. It has the same, like, tone, color tones and all. It's every tick that people make fun of Wes Anderson for. This movie has it, right? So that is something that, people are resonating with. And we had the conversation in the previous episode are all the YouTube TikTok, mm -hmm. you know, uh, homages goofs or are they loving tributes? And it's looking like they're loving tributes. Yeah. It's looking like now this is, let's look at the demos here. Guys, 57%. All right. Mm -hmm. 18 to 34, 66% of the ticket buyers. Okay. That's big. Largest quad was 25 to 34 at 37%. Wow. But 66% in that prime demo, that's great. I mean, this this isn't the the oldsters that are going to the Pixar movies. This isn't the washed up mm -hmm. uh navel gazing people who go to yeah. see Pixar movies. This is a young audience. Yeah. And they're yeah. enjoying this movie and he's having a renaissance. Now, diversity demos, 62% Caucasian. Sure. You know, 18% Latino and Hispanic, 7% black, 14% uh, Asian. Uh, the Latinos, I mean, they love movie going. They just go support movies, right? So they'll go and see everything because they just love movies so much, which is great. They're unsung heroes of theater going. Okay. Right. right. And so- right. And the 62% Caucasian for Wes Anderson movie it makes is sense. to be expected. Uh, and, it is and, the it is. and the 7% black, it's like, you know, that's, un I mean, it, it'd be great if that was bigger, but I don't know what Wes Anderson is going to do at this point in his career. Yeah, to, I don't know if Wes to, Anderson's to, doing much outreach to, to yeah. that audience right now. Yeah, I mean, I, it's and, just not going to happen. And I think he, yeah. Yeah, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah. But you know what? The, the, the age thing is huge. The That's fact that huge. it is such a young audience, that is huge. And it shows that the TikTok trend is reflective of that age group just being into him and being into yeah. his aesthetic and maybe having caught up to him at home over the last few years. Yeah. I mean, there could have been a lot of Rushmore, Bottle Rocket, Royal Tenenbaums watch watching right. going on. And listen. This is a generation of kids that were raised on Fantastic Mr. Fox. Right. Like, right. think about that. That is a kid's movie that was well-liked, and it's a movie they probably watched a lot when they were children, and they were like, wait, this guy makes grown-up movies? Right. Right. And that that's the guy who I made the video making fun of? Like, I think there's people who make the Wes Anderson homage parody video and then find out later that he's a real person and then find out that that real person who they made a TikTok video about has a movie coming out this weekend mm -hmm. with Tom Hanks, who they like.
because he reminds him of their dad and they are someone who likes their dad. You know, it's a very specific audience goer, but there's a lot of everyone. And I think that audience goer helped make this a great opening weekend, a great expansion weekend. So um, I know Mendelssohn was tweeting about this over the weekend. You sent me a lot of Mendelssohn tweets. Yeah. And he's thinking this thing could go. You know, he's saying 30 is like a slam doink here. Yeah. And he thinks this could go 50, 60. What is your take on this? I mean, I know you're in the bag for Wes. Oh, he's my guy. I was there opening weekend in a in a Brooklyn audience. And that's modern Brooklyn, not the hard scrabble Brooklyn I grew up in. So it was yeah, a, yeah, it was yeah, a, yeah. You know. People weren't get beat up for Asteroid City tickets. There's enough to go around. No, no, no. Um, so I think that this has a chance. Listen, he had the biggest weekend he's ever had. So I think it's on the table where Asteroid City ends up being the biggest Wes Anderson movie of all time, which is, you this know, was, Grand Budapest is the biggest now. What was the number? What was its number domestic? So Grand Budapest got to 59 million domestic and it, okay. it made another 104 million worldwide. Obviously, That's we huge. focus on domestic, but this movie. So so can Asteroid City get to 60? That's the. You know, that's the line for whether it's the biggest Wes Anderson movie of all time. And listen, I said this last week, a big thing is going to be depending on does this start to get buzz as an Oscar movie? And I think that's uh-huh. happening. I think this is a movie, Asteroid City, that feels like a best picture, nom, 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 probably not going to win, but it's in that conversation. So I think that's going to help. I do think you slightly poo-pooed it, but I do think Tom Hanks and Scar Joe as movie stars give this I didn't poo-poo it. I didn't poo-poo it. I think their presence gives this the the it gives us a lot of help to have that kind of leggy run because you could say not just do you want to see the Wes Anderson movie, do you want to see the Tom Hanks movie? Do you want to see the Scarlett Johansson yeah. movie? The and leads so- of this movie aren't Adrian Brody and Jason Schwartzman as much as in these movies, especially Jason Schwartzman can be amazing. They're not the leads. You have actual stars as leads in this movie, which is important. And I do think Jason Schwartzman is also has stuck around long enough that he's finally cracked into general audiences, fully accept that he's there. And I think find him comforting in a way that they didn't obviously, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, or even two or three years ago. But I think he's cracked through where mm-hmm. even the, the, and they might not want to admit it at the bar, but I do think that the earth dogs and the plain billies, they like Jason Schwartzman now, or at least that they're like, yeah, I'll see a movie with him in it. And I'll be glad he's there. I'll be glad the little guy's there. And I think that's happened. And I think it's happened with this movie. So I do think it's possible. I do think that Asteroid City could get to 60 million and be the biggest Wes Anderson movie ever. And, you know, we'll be talking about this throughout the summer. That is incredible for a filmmaker like Wes Anderson, who's been around for now 25 years. Rushmore was 98. And he's in some ways peaking right now. Or Well, bought a rocket even before that, though. Right, right. So... He is not at the level of a Nolan or a Tarantino, but he is one of those directors 
who is a movie star director. You know, people go to see a Wes Anderson movie because it's a Wes Anderson movie. You know, they don't do that for Ruben Fleischer or other directors who've maybe directed hits. But they do that for Wes Anderson. And that's he's in a great spot. I think the thing that is going to benefit this movie, and it's unfortunate for the rest of the box office, is that these tent poles are failing left and right. Yes. Flash is bombing. Flash is a bomb. Yeah. Elemental is a bomb. Okay. Though it may redeem itself. Dial of Destiny will get to it on Wednesday or Thursday. It's going to bomb. Okay. Yeah. It's, Transformers, it's Transformers, Transformers is a bomb to at least way underperformer. It's at, yes. well, it's at 122 million domestic, but it's, it's not none of these other than Spider-Man and Guardians you know, having good legs in May. None of these tent poles are taking the world by storm. None of them are beloved beyond Spider-Verse. So, uh, uh, you know, and I've said this a million times and I'll say it a million times. I'll probably say it every show. People want to go to see the movie, go to the movies. People want to mm-hmm. go to the movies as much as bloggers stay at home all day, say they never want to go out and they watch everything on their, their big screen TV. Yeah. How people big want TVs? to go to be honest, be honest. Yeah, exactly. These TVs are not that big. Well, their TVs are laptop. Here's the thing. People want to go to the movies. Obviously, young people want to go to the movies. And if this is a movie that is doing well, getting good buzz, you know, it is a movie that people will go and continue to see. And that is going to be to the benefit of Asteroid City. And unfortunately, it's not a case of everybody's going to see everything, right? This movie is going to do better if something like Barbie underperforms, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's in the same sort of this is a, you know, auteur doing a, you know, bright movie that has stars in it, right? So, like, mm-hmm. if that movie is bad and people don't like it, they're going to be driven to Asteroid City. And mm-hmm. they're also going to be driven away from the tent poles because all the tent poles have been really terrible, other than, you know, like you said, Guardians, Spidey Cartoon. And right. I mean, Little Mermaid is not a huge hit, but it's liked yeah. enough and it's done Definitely. well enough with its its uh, prime demo Definitely, that I, yeah. it's it's a positive yeah. in this summer. We have to yes. look at it as a positive. So that's the thing about Asteroid City. If it gets to 60, that may be because everything else is doing pretty poorly. Possibly. But I mean, 60, uh, this movie against the 60 doesn't feel like it cannibalizes anything else. It's not cannibalizing, but it's it's the thing is, is that they're going to see this as a quality picture when other movies are not because the problem is not the amount of people who want to see movies. It's the product, right? Yeah. And this yeah. is a good product. And yes. so people will be driven to the good product because there's so much bad product out there. Yeah. And listen, even in uh, summers where the tent poles are, are hitting, you get movies like an asteroid city, which under the radar do relatively big numbers. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you do get that. And I think asteroid city could just be that movie for this summer. It could be yeah. the good under the radar movie that at the end of the summer you look and it's like, wow, this thing made 60. Who knows? Maybe it can make more. But I, 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 I'm I, going to predict it here. I do think this is going to become Wes Anderson's biggest movie of all time. And okay. this is him peaking. I think this is him peaking. I Listen, I saw this in the movie theater and... This also is just a funny movie. 
or at least yeah. for the people who are inclined to think Wes Anderson's funny, this is a funny one. This is you're not on the a coast, difficult... so y- I am. But your I view wouldn't is have askew. Sa- I wouldn't have said that. Don't Kevin Smith me on my own show. Uh, your view is askew. I'm saying that's and not, I, it's a fact. And I wouldn't have said that though about uh, uh, the, the French Dispatch, for instance. This is a crowd yeah. pleaser in a way that French Dispatch was not. This will play to the earth dogs and the plain billies and the stacks dwellers in a way that French dispatch obviously was not ever going to play that way. So we'll yeah. see. Could be Wes's biggest movie ever, but the TikToks helped. Tweets may not be ticks, but maybe TikToks are ticks. We'll see. Yeah. Ticks I mean, in some ticks. occasions they can be. Talks could be ticks. So, I mean, I think that is all we really need to cover for this weekend. Obviously we'll be back at the end of the week for a weekend preview. And that is going to be Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny with our next week's babe of the week. Phoebe Waller bridge is starring yeah. in dial of destiny. Very not exciting. mine, not mine, not mine, but not my babe. Uh, hashtag not my babe. So, uh, and, and one just quick shout out. Cause I did see Scott Mendelson shouted this out. The boogeyman at $37 million domestic right now. Number 10. Good for the boogeyman. Good job. Boogeyman. It's not great. It's not no black phone situation no black like phone. last summer, but good for Christmasina. For Christmasina, it's fantastic. $37 million yeah. domestic. Christmasina yeah. can't ask for much more than that, nor should he. No, um, no. So I think that that's it, Clayton. Obviously, email us, email us, email us. We love your emails. We've got some new emails I think we'll get to later in the week. Want to thank some of the people who've emailed us. Want to be oh boy, Jason sent us a great email about a- animation. So we'll get to those on our next episode. So send us emails at the B.O. Boys podcast at gmail.com. We love getting your emails, your predictions, your analysis, your boots on the ground reporting. Email mm-hmm. us at the B.O. Boys podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on the social medias. Want to be our intern Christopher is killing it killing it with the video clips on social media. And there is, listen, I've been talking uh, at the water cooler at BOHQ with wannabeo intern Christopher, and there may be some brand new social media for everyone to follow. We might be getting a little revamp of social media. So wannabeo intern Christopher doing a great job. He earned the second year of this internship. He has been retained as an intern and uh, he's just doing a great job. So follow us at the Bo Boys Pod on Twitter and possibly more channels to come. Of course, we are YouTubers, so smash that like button, smash that subscribe button, ring you that know, bell, ring that bell. We, you know, people do forget sometimes the importance of ringing that bell. Mm-hmm. And on YouTube, you also do have to ring that bell. So keep that in mm-hmm. mind. Listen. Kirk Menahan, he's a draw when it comes to podcasts, and he is a draw on YouTube. So, oh, yeah. If you haven't already, catch up. If you only listened to the episode last week, you're only getting part of the story. So, watch it on YouTube, the BO Boys channel on YouTube. Just give it a search on YouTube, and eventually, podcast. It'll, yeah. Yeah. Podcast eventually, Jesus. it'll be served up to you. At Podcast Jesus, he didn't deliver us from evil. Right, he didn't deliver us from sin, but he delivered something even better. He yeah. delivered us a bump, a, a bump. YouTube bump, yeah, and a podcast bump, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's real. He's yeah. real. Yeah. 
So thank you and watch us on YouTube. And of course, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, which is the only one that matters until Spotify uh, gives us, you know, a giant deal and then we'll direct mm-hmm. you towards there. But it's, until then, give us five stars and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And Clayton, I think that's it. I think we've done it. There can't be anything else. No, there can't be. Except for <gasps> until next time. We'll smell you at the box office. Nailed it. <laughs>